0: Hi, thanks for your welcome. It's nice to be here. And I'm going to read from the Bible. If you've got your Bible with you or whatever technology you use, I'm going to read a verse and I'm going to preach in that verse. I'm not going to tell you the context now, but we'll fill you in through the sermon. We're going to read just one verse and then we're going to go to Hebrews. And there's a reason for that. Hebrews chapter three, a longer passage. But here's the verse for this morning. And I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it later in the week and to drill down what does that mean. And here's the verse. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Let's read it again. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the law. Hebrews 3 is the next passage. It's a passage, and it has relevance for those succeeding generations of this generation in Deuteronomy under Moses. Hebrews 3, 7. So the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the desert were your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years, saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared (coughs) on earth in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers." That none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if we hold firmly till the end the confidence. We had at first. And that's the reading. So, whatever stage or age you're at this morning, whether you're a young person, whether you're an old person like me, and in between, in the midst of any age or stage, there's always tests, there's always trials. In fact, you think when you're younger, if only I could get beyond this and I could be that. I'll be okay. And then when you get there, you move on and you realize hey, that was difficult, and you move on and you move on to another stage to find that there's challenges at that stage. And then you move on to marriage or singleness or whatever, and you begin to realize life can be difficult at times. And you just move from one problem. To another problem. The context here in Deuteronomy is that Moses was giving his last farewells to the children of Israel. He was reminding them of the covenant they had made their ancestors at Sinai. They'd been 40 years in the wilderness. They'd faced one issue after another issue. And when they thought they got over that hill, guess what? There's another hill facing them. And you may just be there at whatever stage or whatever age you're at today. But into the midst of this and into the context of this that we'll explain, the writer says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And the question I want to ask: how do we handle life? How do we handle the trials that 1 Peter talks about? And how do we do it with joy that James talks about? How do we get on and live sort of spiritually and physically and emotionally and mentally going forward? And you may be stuck today. We all get stuck. You would say, Freddie, you don't know my world, you don't know my context, you don't know where I'm at, and I don't. But I believe that God's Word is relevant. How can we live with stuff going on in our lives that are hard to compute? And I'm suggesting this verse, and the theology undergirding it, is a great help. Look at the verse again. You have it in front of you. Secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may follow all the words of the law. Oh, that we could grip this. Oh, that we could catch the force of this, the content of this, the context of this, the application of this. The book of Deuteronomy concentrates on the events that took place in the final weeks of Moses' life. He's about to die. There's a new guy on the block called Joshua. He's coming up, and Moses is leaving his last sermons or farewell speeches. In it, God is giving hope for the future while acknowledging the pain of the present. In it, God is saying to you, I get your pain. I understand your frustration. I know you t- you're struggling, but I want to give you hope. And I believe that's what God wants to give us. For when we look out at the Middle East, we go, wow, what's all that? When we look at Russia and Ukraine, when we look at Northern Ireland, and I'm not going to mention the protocol, this one says that, this one says that, hello, who knows? H- how do we do life? How can I cope? First thing we need to think about and drill down here is that there's a mystery in God. That's the first thing. And hopefully that will come up. Hello, there's a mystery in God because that's what the verse says, "'The secret things belong to the Lord our God.'" God has secrets only known to him about the world and about your world, what you're thinking. Some of them seem to be horrific. They're impossible for us to compute. They're impossible for us to analyze and to understand, and yet we need to be open that there is a mystery in God. I don't get it, what's going on in the world in the Middle East. I know I could say it's the depravity of man and just give out a cliche there, but I've got to submit to the fact that there's a mystery in God and I will never understand him. I will never fully comprehend him. i never be able to compute him and put him into a theological straitjacket. There's mystery. It reveals to us, yes, the depravity of men and women and the fruit of people's perception. In fact, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, there's a hidden wisdom in God, 1 Corinthians 2 and 7. But if you're like me, you struggle at times. You say, why is this happening? Why is it happening to our family? Why is it happening to me? I attempt to reconcile my faith in God and the facts. They don't seem to correlate. They seem to contradict. And I don't know where I am. I then thought about Isaiah 45, 15, the 8th century prophet who said, truly, you're a God who hides yourself. Isaiah couldn't understand fully the immortal, the invisible, the only wise God. And he says, God, you're hiding yourself. Good News Bible says, truly, you are a God who hides yourself. He's a God at times, it appears, who conceals himself. And all this is a challenge. And he goes on, Isaiah, and Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, Neither are my ways your ways. But just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Mystery. So I conclude at times that it's actually impossible for me to comprehend the mind of God. He decrees things. He permits things. He allows things to come into my world and into my life and into the cosmos. And who am I? He's infinite. We're finite. He is immortal, and I am mortal. Just before Christmas, I went to see who was a lecturer in the Baptist College that Terry Baxter and I sat under for many years called Norman Shields. He's in his 80s or 90s. Ah, John Brown's in his 80s, but no, 90s. is Norman Shields. And to remember the things he used to say, and I was sitting beside him remembering, reminding him. He would say, as he taught us theology at the college, there is mystery here. To probe would be impertinent. There is mystery here about the character and the attributes and the magnificence of God. Who are we to judge him? but I feel like the disciples at times, and I think you do too. Lord, I believe. Will you help my unbelief? C.S. Lewis said this. As I get older, I'm being forced to live with mystery. It was so easy when I was in my 20s to be black and white. It was so easy to have all the ducks lined up, as I thought, that everything is like this and God's like this and God's like that, and as the years have gone by, no box no more except a grid that I've got to trust God in the middle of the mystery. Secondly there's a certainty in God. Certainty in God. In the midst of my limitations, in the midst of my vulnerability, in the midst of my unbelief—let's be real—there's times we are unbelieving, and we don't get it, and we don't trust God, and we just feel get my head round this. I can't get my head round why this has happened. I'm forced to live with a paradox of a God who is among us, and yet he's hidden. That's the paradox, the seeming contradiction that God is among us, and yet he's hidden. He has purposes and plans, but the secret things belong to God. Who am I to question? Who am I to call him to the the court? I've got to believe in the certainty of God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Even though I cannot see him, even though I cannot feel him, even though I cannot touch him, I've got to believe. And the sociologists would say, you're just believing because you were brought up to be like that. Well, I was never brought up like that. Do you believe in God? Maybe you've come to this church for years and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. You've never exercised repentance towards God and faith in Christ. For he who comes to God must believe that he is full of mystery and yet full of certainty. The things revealed, belong to us. The secret things don't belong to us. The secret things we've got to leave. And we've got to say, as I have said nearly over 45 years in the past, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I cannot compute this. I cannot bring this together. But I believe in God. Do you? The book of Deuteronomy, along with the Psalms and Isaiah, reveal the attributes of God. In other words, his attitudes and his actions and his glory and his majesty that we've been singing about. This is our God, the otherness of God, the transcendence of God. Who am I to call him into question? secret things belong to him. The things that are revealed, they belong to me and you. In the midst of intellectual difficulties, and confusion, God reveals things to them that are clear and unambiguous, and they are for them and they're for succeeding generations. From Deuteronomy 1 to Deuteronomy 30, He said, Here's the clear things, here's the unambiguous things, here's the things that you should get, and here's the things that you should do as I leave you, and Joshua takes over. Let's look at the context. The children of Israel are at a crucial point in their lives, and it's a new generation. There appears to be a fork on the road. In chapter 29, Moses is reviewing God's covenant that he gave in Mount Sinai, the context. They've been wandering aimlessly and purposely for 40 years, 40 years. And now, they're about to go across the River Jordan into a non-known world. Now, they're vulnerable. Moses is going to leave them, and they're going to have to move into the Promised Land. Remember, their parents and their grandparents have been at this very place 40 years ago. That's the context. And God called them to go into the land. But they decided they couldn't do it. They said, no, can't do that. And the history book had revealed that the ancestors were afraid. Do you remember the story? The giants? And they're unbelieving. So they said, can't do this we can't do this. The the giants are too big, and they become unbelieving, and they do not enter into all that God has for them. That generation, according to Hebrews 3, they died in the wilderness, most of them. They never got in. And here we have the children and their grandchildren— Will they do the same? Will they perpetuate the same unbelief? Their mums and dads didn't do it. Their grandfathers and granddads didn't do it. Would they do it? Just hang back. Not believe God. Not believe the promises. Not believe the certainty of God. He revealed to them now on the cusp of their day and generation that the future. While unknown, but a secret only known to God, God knew all that lay ahead of them, and He reveals what they've got to do. He's about to die. Joshua is going to take over. Then, chapter thirty, verse eleven to nineteen, what a challenge He lays out before them. He says to them, "You know what?" guys, this is your day. This is your moment. Now, what I'm commanding you today, verse 11, is not too difficult for you, or it's not beyond your reach. You say, but Freddie, I'm a weak Christian. Look, most of us are weak Christians. In some department or another, it is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven, who will get it, who will proclaim it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it on us. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you may obey. You've got to obey this. I know your moms and dads didn't. You've got to do it. And as I was with Moses... I will be with you." Young people, young adults, thank God for the past. Men and women, we were just talking in the prayer meeting upstairs. Men and women, not just who grace the pulpit, but out there, live for the glory of God. Some of them didn't. You have the opportunity. Give the opportunity in your day and your generation to step up and say, I believe in God. There's a lot of stuff I don't get. It's the secret things belong to God. But there's stuff that I know that has been revealed to me in the pages of Holy Scripture that I can enter into all that God has for me. What about it? Well, he renews and he reveals the covenant here. He assures them with certainty I'm going to be with you. God, through Moses, is saying, As I was with him, I'll be with Joshua. It's a new day. Future is unknown, but God knows the future. And he discloses and reveals with certainty his power and presence. Chapter 31 and verse 8, he says to them, The Lord Himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you, he will never deceive you. So don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. That's easy to preach. Last week or so I was up in Tobermore and my wife took ill on Tuesday and had to go to the hospital in Causeway Coast. And so, I'm sitting there for 11 and a half hours in casualty. I'm impatient. Really am. And my wife, who's so spiritual, she does my head. But that's another story. We'll not not go there other than she may be listening to this. He said, Freddie, what about all this preaching you're doing? I said, stop it. He says, what, what about all this that you believe with certainty that God's in control? I didn't feel. I did not like it. Eleven and a half hours sitting looking at people's faces and their backs. And he said, you've got to believe now. You've got to believe in this little trial of yours. in control. You've got to believe that. Not because you're being brainwashed, because it's a credible, intellectual, acceptable thing to believe in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's revealed himself. The things that are revealed belong to us. The historical Jesus, the claims and the character of Christ tells us God has revealed himself. I'll be with you. That's what he said. I'm not going to reveal explanations. I'm going to give you promises, and you've got to live in the promises. <laughs> Do not be afraid, verse eight 31. Do, don't, don't be discouraged. That's all right. You send that for me. It's okay. You're talking a good game. I'm not trying to live this out. Is it hard? Yeah. Today, we have a greater than Moses who says the same to us. He knows your unknown future. He understands, and he wants to assure you, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Ah, that's easy said. Look, this is easy preached. It may not be easy for you to listen to me, but I'm just saying, for me, it flows. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is going ahead of you. I've got to believe it. I've got to appropriate it. I've got to believe it when I am sitting there for hours or when I am going for a cancer test, when I am going for my heart situation. I've got to believe. I believe in God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And thirdly, and finally, and my son used to say, that means absolutely nothing. (laughs) Now I am saying that about him. We've got to embrace the sovereignty of God. We must embrace Sovereignty of God. The context again tells us, chapter 435, God revealed his commandments. They were shown these things. God says, here's what's revealed to you in the Decalogue. And we have the whole canon of Scripture. And you know what? You don't bother with it, many of you. Let's be real. But Freddie, it's hard. It's hard to concentrate. It's hard. And I get that the things that God wants you to do, and obey the Word, and understand the Word of God. Hebrews 1 says, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. has, in these last days, spoken to us by the Lord Jesus. We've got to follow him got to embrace the fact that he is the sovereign Lord. He's in control of the world in the Middle East. He's in control of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. He's in control of this little province of ours. And I've got to believe that and trust him. And as you head out tomorrow morning or this week for that test, I've got to believe that God's in control secret things, they belong to him. The things revealed, they belong to me. They and their generation were to follow the covenant-keeping God. They were to take Moses at his word and to embrace God knows what he's doing. He is infinite. He is eternal. He is immortal. He is the only wise God. And I must bow in a sense of awe and humility at his sovereignty. He who's begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You say, but for them, a disaster. But God is sovereign. And he says to us again in Hebrews, I will never leave you. I won't forsake you. But what about my loss? Someone said that to me the other day. I've never experienced deep loss. And those of you who sit here know the taste of that, the pain of that, the vacancy of that. And surely, by faith, I've got to believe. By faith, you won't leave me. And God, you won't forsake me. What about my children who have no interest spiritually? What about my grandchildren that don't seem to show a great interest? I've got to trust God here. I've got to believe God. This is my lot. But it's in God's hands. As I said, God does not promise explanations. He gives us promises. We've got to believe them. But maybe, like me at times, you hear his voice, and you harden your hearts like others who did in the rebellion during the time when they were tested in the desert. Maybe when others were tested and tried for years, and. God was angry with that generation. And he said, their hearts are always going astray. You ever feel like that? You go out and say, sermon was okay, Freddie's okay, yeah. But I do want to start again. And then before the week's over, you just run out of breath and just feel, hey, let's not beat yourself up. Let's keep starting again. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Not to be legalistic, but be disciplined. Lord, I, I believe you're sovereign. I believe you're in control. I believe you're working all things after the counsel of your divine will. I gotta believe that. But you know what? If I could put into practice half of what I know, I would be some Christian. But I struggle. To put into practice half of what I know theologically and intellect, it's putting it into practice that's hard. That's why I need the help of the Holy Spirit. This is not sentimental, gush. This is robust infrastructure that says, when I look out there, when I look in here, when I look around me, I could get depressed and discouraged. So what do I call into mind? I call to mind that there's mystery here in God. I'm never going to understand all this. I bring onto the table that there's a certainty in God. He revealed himself in his Word and in his Son and by his Spirit. And above all, There's the sovereignty of God. He's in control. Will you apply that? Will I apply that? I hope so. Let's pray. And let's just take a moment just to be quiet. And ask God to help us apply this.